Amen. God bless you. Amen. We greet you in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. I like that song that says, I know the Lord will make a way. Yes, he will. The song does not assume. It does not say that I, I, I have a feeling that God will make a way. It speaks with an assurity that I know the Lord will make a way. I said to the uh, earlier morning service that the Apostle Paul throughout his writings often would use these words, but I know, for I know. <laughs> what he is saying is that I, I am not talking about something I don't know, for I know that all things work together for good. Well, we know that God will make a way Yes, he went to all of you that are whatever you're going through. Amen. God will make a way to you, Deacon Lumpkin. God will, God has, God will continue to make a way. Yes, he will. Listen, before we get into this message, I want to say a few words concerning what has been going on uh, over the last few days. Several days ago, we saw an atrocious um, act of violence in Minneapolis against a man who's uh, had his life snuffed out. Someone, law enforcement officer, had his knee on his neck for over seven minutes, and he died. Uh, it was sad. Uh, it was uncalled for. And all of the protests in honor of this man who lost his life was justified. All the protests honoring what happened to George Floyd in Minneapolis was justified. Uh, and we commend those who expressed their dissatisfaction. But let me also say that one bad law enforcement officer does not represent them all. Just like one bad person who breaks in a store and breaks a window and burns a building down does not represent the entire African-American community. Protest is fine, but the violence that happened afterwards should never be condoned or tolerated. And I would say to all of those who felt as if they needed to demonstrate their frustration through violence, through burning buildings, that is uncalled for. I'm reminded of a quote that's in the iconic play, The Lion King, which symbols father said to him, you are more than what you have become. I'll say to all of those young people, you are better than this. You are more than what you have allowed yourself to become. We should never resort to violence. It does not work. There is a powerful quote by someone who I admire as much as anyone. In fact, in my humble opinion, he is the greatest world leader ever. Outside of Jesus Christ, there is no one that I admire more, no president, uh, no royal figure than Nelson Mandela someone who spent 27 years of his life incarcerated for fighting for the freedom of his people. 
Nelson Mandela, when he was released from prison, was not bitter, but he became better. He understood that protest was necessary, but he never resorted into violence, burning cars, breaking down, burning buildings. He said something that I want to share with you and leave this with you before we get into our message. In 2007 in New Delhi, India, speaking before world leaders, Nelson Mandela shared these words that I quote and we put them on the screen. He says, in a world driven by violence and strife, Gandhi, he's quoting Mahatma Gandhi, Gandhi's message of peace and nonviolence still holds the key to human survival in the 21st century. Nelson Mandela, 2007. Those words were relevant in 2007. They are relevant today in 2020. We should never resort to violence. We should always remember that Dr. King was successful. Nelson Mandela was successful because they found a better way. Let us resort in and turn to the better way. Thank you and to all of those that are concerned and protesting, keep doing it. But just remember that one bad apple doesn't represent all people. Just like a group of people who burned down a building do not represent an entire group or ethnicity of people. Yes, we are better than that. And I know that there will be an opportunity for us as a community, as a nation, to demonstrate. So let us pray for our country. Let us pray for our state. Let us remember that there is always a better way. With that in mind, I turn to the message for today. The series that we are sharing this morning is entitled God's Stimulus Package. This is the sixth message in this series. A stimulus package from an economic perspective is a set of incentives used by government in order to stimulate an economy in the time of crisis. It is used when an economy is on the verge of collapse. It is used uh, in unusual times uh, to lift up an economy, to keep it going. It is not a handout. It is an investment. And it is an investment into the future of a nation and a country. It is when an economy's back is against the wall, the government steps in with a stimulus in the form of enhanced uh, financial input into this economy. God says, I also have a stimulus package. And it is not a response to a financial economy. God's stimulus package is given uh, spiritually when our backs are against the wall. Perhaps when we are going through difficult times in our lives. God does not send a check in the mail. 
God does not send a small business loan. He does not defer our mortgage for three months. But God does what he always does. God sends his word. God says, my word will undergird you. My word will stimulate you. My word will encourage you to know that everything is going to be all right. This is the sixth message in this series. And our text for today's message is found in the book of Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, the New International Version. This is also Pentecost Sunday, a special day in the history of the New Testament church. So the message not only speaks to God's stimulus package, but it also recognizes the significance of this day. The book of Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, reading from the New International Version, and it reads, On one occasion while he was eating with them, while Jesus was eating with his disciples, he gave them this command, said to his disciples, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised which you have heard me speak of. Verse number five, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And we ask God's blessings on the reading and the hearing of his word. Subject for today's message is found in that fourth verse. Jesus again says to his disciples, don't leave Jerusalem, shelter in place. But while you're sheltering in place, wait for the gift that my father has promised you. For the next few moments, we would like to speak from the subject, when you wait on the Lord. When you wait on the Lord. One of the things that is often discussed during this painful shutdown caused by this horrific pandemic is this, and I've often heard this, how difficult it is to remain patient as we wait on things to turn around. Folk have called me and said, Pastor, it is so hard to just remain patient. I know God is working it out, but they are anxious. They are ready for something to happen right now. And all over, it doesn't matter who they are, they're saying it is a difficult thing. And if we are honest with ourselves, we would say that it is at times a struggle just to wait on God to make a way out of this situation. Now, perhaps it is not surprising to hear that people struggle with this. You know, particularly when you consider that we are living in a society in which it seems as if 
Patience is no longer a virtue. We're living in a time where it seems as if, listen to this, people have lost patience with patience. They don't want to wait anymore. We are instant gratification type of society. We want it right now. Not only do I want to know that God is doing it, I need to know that God is going to do it right now. The truth is, in today's society, listen to this, my brothers and sisters, patience seems to be the norm and not the exception. Impatience does. Impatience seems to be the norm. It seems as if there are more people that are impatient than those that are patient. I remember a time in which folk did not mind waiting. However, things have changed. We're living in an age where you can pop it in and pop it out in 90 seconds. You are living in an age where you can go to the grocery store, get your dinner, put it in the microwave, and on the package, it says 90 seconds and you've got red rice. 90 seconds and you've got a good meal. That has had its impact on our psyche even as it relates to our relationship with God. But we have come to expect people to be impatient, to be irritable, to be restless. We look for it now. We are not surprised when it happens. When, when things don't go people's way, we look for them to be irritable. We look for them to be cranky and impatient. In fact, we are often shocked and surprised when we hear someone say, that's okay, I really don't mind waiting. You don't get that very often for someone to say, that's okay, if you go to the drive-in, drive-through now, and, and you order something, they say, it's going to take longer than usual. How many people say, that's okay? I don't mind waiting. Or they suck their teeth and, and throw their hands up, or pull out of the line, and go somewhere else just to wait even longer than what they would have waited if they would have stayed where they are. We as a society seem to have lost the ability to just stand still and wait on something good to happen. We used to abide by the expression, good things comes to those who wait. Now we've changed that. And it is, I'm going to get my good thing even if I've got to go get it right now. We simply have lost the desire and the respect of patience. What is perhaps even more troubling than this, 
is the lack of patience that seems to be just as prevalent among those of us who profess to be believers, who profess to be people of faith, as it is among those who do not. There used to be a time in which church folk were different. <laughs> we were more patient. We will wait on the Lord. We, we understood that he may not come when we want him. <laughs> we used to sing the song, but he is always on time. We don't, young folk don't sing that anymore. We don't sing uh, the song any, anymore. Lord, better days are coming by and by. We want it right now. Give me what is mine right now. And so it is disturbing when we see people of faith not setting the example of waiting on God. When we listen to this, this is so important, I want to stress this. When we as people of faith refuse to wait on the Lord, and you don't remember anything else about this message, I need you to hear this. I, I want to drive this point down. When we as people of faith refuse to wait on the Lord, we are in essence saying to God, we don't trust your plans for our lives. That's what we're saying. We are saying to God uh, that we don't trust that you will make a way somehow. When we refuse to wait on the Lord, we are saying that I don't trust that God can take care of this. So I've got to work it out myself. I'm here to tell you that anyone who's ever tried to circumvent God's plan for your life and insert your own desire and plan for your life usually ends up a lot worse off. You come to the realization uh, that you cannot do it by yourself. You do need to wait on what the Lord is going to do for your life. When you wait on God, <laughs> when you say, Lord, I trust you, lean not to my own understanding, but in all my ways, I acknowledge you. The text says he will then direct our path. In other words, God will make a way. God will show us this is how to do it simply because we're now it, it is not easy. I'm here to tell you, it is not easy to stand still. It is not easy to wait on God and see the salvation of the Lord. God says this throughout the Bible in the Old Testament in Exodus. Moses tells the children of Israel as they face their first crisis. As they left Egypt, the Red Sea in front of them, Pharaoh's army behind them. God says to Moses, tell them to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. In other words, there's some virtue in doing nothing but waiting on the Lord. Now, don't confuse standing still for laziness. Don't confuse because there are a whole lot of folk that are just plain lazy. They, they don't have even the get up that God has given them. I, I, I'm not making an excuse 
for folk to be lazy. But I am saying trust in the Lord and say to God, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do whenever you want me to do it. And if your instructions to me was to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, I am willing to do it. Why? As the worship team said, because I know, God, you will make a way somehow. Listen, when we are willing to faithfully wait on what the Lord has promised, when we are willing, I want to say this, to faithfully wait on what the Lord has promised, we can expect a mighty supernatural move of God. God will do something unlike we have never experienced before. But nothing, somebody said this to me a long time ago. They said to me, in fact, one of my mentors uh, in the political uh, community said this, uh, Senator John Matthews from Bowman, South Carolina, who after 40 plus years in the General Assembly retired, he said, son, nothing usually good comes out of when you rush. Because when I first took office, I was ready. I was ready. Bring that flag down today. Change today. Improve education today. And he had to calm me down. And he says, usually nothing good comes out of when you rush. In other words, you've got to learn how to be patient and take your time and watch God do it. And what I've come now to discover is that when God is in charge, God works on his own time frame. <laughs> God, God, God doesn't work on what is best for me on my time frame, but God works, as I said earlier, he may not always come when we want him, but I'm a living witness that he is and on time, God, if, if, if you were in here today, I would tell you to look at somebody and say he's an on-time God. God would do just what he said. In this text, let us transition to the text. In this text, uh, let us examine what it teaches us as it relates to waiting on what the Lord has promised, especially during our times of difficulty. In our text, we have what is perhaps in the text one of the greatest examples in the New Testament concerning the blessings of waiting. The text occurs some 40 days after the resurrection of Jesus. The disciples who had been with Jesus for over three years. Jesus had been there everything. When they were hungry, Jesus divided the loaves and the fish. When they needed to pay their taxes, even out of the gill of a fish, he got money so that they could pay their taxes. When their family members were sick, as Peter's mother-in-law was, Jesus stepped in the house and healed their family members' bodies. So for three and a half years, for over three years, Jesus had been their everything. He was their source of strength. He, he undergirded them. He kept them up. They didn't really have to worry about anything because Jesus was there with them. But 
things were now going to change. Jesus uh, had been crucified. Jesus uh, rose from the dead. 40 days after his resurrection, he walks the earth with them, teaching them. And now on this 40th day after the resurrection, Jesus stands with them on the Mount of Olives and he began uh, to share with them the fact that I am now leaving today. Today is the day that I am going to leave you. However, before he left, he leaves them with this final word. He knew, Jesus knew, listen, in order for these disciples and these followers of his to do what they were called to do, which was to evangelize the world, to share the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth, they would need help. And not just ordinary help, because Jesus knew who they were. They would need supernatural help. In order to accomplish the mission, in order to do what they needed, they, they needed the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to live in them. The Spirit had been around them. They had witnessed the Spirit descend from heaven on Jesus. They read about the Holy Spirit even throughout uh, the Old Testament. But now it was different. Jesus knew what they would be faced with. Jesus knew that they would have obstacles and they would have challenges and they would have things in their lives that they could not deal with through ordinary strength. <laughs> so they needed something inside of them that was greater than that which was fighting against them. Jesus knew that they needed not just some earthly power, not just some new appointment, but they needed the indwelling, the living presence of the Holy Spirit living inside of them. Why? Because Jesus knew that ahead of them, there were people that wanted to take their life. And in fact, all of the disciples, with the exception of John, died a martyr's death. Jesus knew that ahead of them would be crosses upside down, would be Nero's chopping block, would be arenas of wild animals uh, that would devour their bodies. And Jesus knew that if you're going to be able to withstand the forces of evil, you are going to need transformation, change from the inside out. However, he also knew that they were not prepared for it at that moment. Verse 4 of the text, he tells them that before uh, this could happen, before they could receive this supernatural power from the Father. They were to, and we are used to this word now, shelter in place. Ooh, stay put. <laughs> there perhaps is a reason why you are sheltering in place. Maybe God says, I need to work on some things in your life. And while you're there, I need you to wait on the promise. Pray, fast, and worship, but just stay put. 
Uh, this, this, is, this goes against their nature to stay put. Uh, because after the crucifixion, they immediately went back fishing, doing what they had done before. But Jesus says there has to be a transformation in your life. You need to stay put, shelter in place. Now listen to this, my brothers and sisters, the purpose of the weight. This is so important for everyone who desires the Holy Spirit in your life. The purpose of the weight was not so that he could prepare the Holy Spirit for them. <laughs> because the Holy Spirit was ready right then. Purpose of the weight was not to go and work on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I've heard people erroneously say that he had to go to heaven to get the Holy Spirit ready to come down. No, the Spirit was ready. In fact, it came down when Jesus was baptizing Jordan. So the purpose was not to wait until the Holy Spirit was ready. Purpose of the wait uh, was to wait until they were prepared for the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit was prepared for them, but they were not prepared for the Holy Spirit. I contend to you that there are a whole lot of you, the Spirit is waiting on you. Uh, you're not waiting on the spirit. Folks say, well, in the old days, they would take us all to the prayer room, Mac, and they would have the, the mothers of the church tarry over us, and they would say, Lord, send the spirit. Well, the whole purpose of the prayer room was not to call down the spirit, but to break up some stuff in you. <laughs> because here's what the Lord knew. Ooh, I feel like preaching this. Jesus knew that in them dwelt some interpersonal struggles. Jesus knew that among them they did not even trust each other. John and James's mother, the sons of Zebedee's mother, tried to backdoor and backstab Peter and the others. And when the other disciples were not paying attention, they went to Jesus, she did, and said, Lord, can my sons sit on your right and your left hand side? Jesus knew that there were some struggles in their life. Jesus knew that they had some emotional demons that they had to work out. He knew that Peter could not uh, welcome the Holy Spirit with his violent disposition. Jesus knew that when Peter pulled the sword before he relied on the word that there needed to be a change in Peter. I'm speaking to every young person out there that wants to change society. It has never been changed by violent overthrow. Uh, you've got to trust in the Lord. And God knew and Jesus knew that in order for there to be a change in society, there needed to be a change in the people who would change society. May I preach to you? He knew that they had some spiritual issues. He knew that Thomas was a doubter and Peter was a liar and John and James were backstabbers. And so Jesus said, I can't send the Holy Spirit in that mess. 
So I need you to go to Jerusalem in the upper room. 120 of them were there. And, and Mary Magdalene, out of whom seven demons uh, came out of, was there along with others. And Jesus said, just wait. Somebody said, what did they have to wait on? They had to wait until they knew in their hearts that they were ready for the transformation. Uh, there have been times in my life in which God said, I've been ready for you, but you have not always been ready for me. And there are times that God had to change us and had to do some things from the inside out to get us ready to receive what God is doing in our life. I don't know about you, but I am so glad that even things I desired, God did not give them to me when I asked for them because I wasn't in a position to be able to appreciate what God was doing. But after you stand still, after you wait a while, then you understand, Lord, I need thee. I am desperate for you. And if you don't do it, it will not be done. Sometimes God's got to push the pause button. Sometimes God's got to say, stay there and watch what's going on. Such was the case in this room. One room, 120 people. 10 days, locked down. I don't know what happened. In fact, the text doesn't really say to us the dialogue that went on in the room other than selecting the replacement for Judas. But what I do know is something happened in Peter's life. <laughs> something happened in John and James' life. For they were waiting on a mighty move of God. And after 10 days of praying and fasting and worshiping and praying and fasting and worshiping. Let me say that again. After 10 days of not Netflix, but praying, fasting, and worshiping. After 10 days of not all your social media outlets, but praying, fasting, and worshiping. After 10 days of not gossiping on the phone about everything that's going on, but on your knees, praying, fasting, and worshiping. Something happened. Woo! Something happened. Something happened. Ah, something is about to happen right now. I wish you were in here. If you were in here, I would tell you to turn to somebody and say, something is about to happen. Anybody, wherever you are, at your kitchen table, walking around your yard, throw your hands up and say, Lord, something is about to happen. After waiting, it happened. Here is how it is described in the second chapter of the book of Acts, verse number one and two. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. <laughs> come on, brothers. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all, listen to these words, with one 
accord. <laughs> Woo, thank you, Holy Ghost. No longer were John and James worried about who's in charge. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord. No longer did they worry about who is on top and who is in charge. But it took 10 days of waiting for God to break up some stuff inside of it. I don't know how long it's going to take. Some of you, it may have taken three months. It may take another month. But God says, I'm working on something inside of you. But, but, but when it comes, it's going to come in in an extraordinary way. Look at what it says. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, <laughs> and right away, and suddenly, and suddenly, and right away, there was a sound, there was a sound. Other musicians, there was a sound. The old church used to say, There's a sound of Pentecost. Pentecost makes noise, Pentecost make a sound. There was a sound that came in, and the Bible say it came from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And here's the part, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. I need to prophesy in somebody's life. When the Holy Spirit comes in your house, it will fill the whole house. Lord bless my house. Lord bless my child. Lord bless my grandchildren. Is there anybody that needs the Holy Spirit to do something right now? Come on, lift your hands. Lift your hands and say, Lord, right now, somebody ought to say right now. Somebody ought to say right now. Anybody need the Lord to do something? God is about to do it. Bless my house. Touch my house. Touch everybody that's associated with me. Woo! I need to declare something. On this day, everybody that's associated with your name, God says, I'll bless you. I'll turn them around. They don't even know what's keeping them. But God said, the Spirit is going to bless the whole house. Somebody ought to give God a praise. Woo. Woo, I got to go. Woo. Something happened. Listen, the Holy Spirit, this is so important. The Holy Spirit did not transform the world. 
it transformed them and they transformed the world. Please don't miss this. Because here's what we pray for. God changed the world. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 6, when they were talking about the disciples, they uttered these words at the end of that verse. These who have turned the world upside down have come here to God says, I'll change the world by changing you. And when I change you, you go out and be the light that changes the world. Problem with too many of us that are faith walkers and believers is that we're sitting home not willing to be the change that the world needs. God says If I can transform you, you can turn the world upside down. Peter, you can't do it as a liar. Peter, you can't transform the world when your initial response is to draw your sword and cut off a man's ear. Peter, but what allows you to transform the world is when they abuse you and you still praise God. (laughs) And when they imprison you and you count it all joy. (laughs) God says that's what the Holy Spirit would do. It changes us and we change the world. And so our prayer for our loved ones ought to be, Lord, let them accept your spirit in their lives. And when you accept God's spirit in your life, your marriage will get better because you are better. When you accept God's spirit in your life, your relationship with your children and others are better because you are better. Listen to these three key takeaways from this message this day. Number one is this, contrary to what is going on in today's society, waiting is still a virtue. Burning cars and looting buildings, there's no virtue in that. Standing on top of a car with No shirt on, beating your chest. There's no virtue in that. Dr. King did not change the world through acting violently. Waiting is still a virtue. Second key takeaway from today's message is this. Waiting on the Lord means that we Trust. Listen to this. Second one is this. Waiting on the Lord means that we trust God's plans for our lives. God, I trust you. (laughs) Can't always trace you, but God, I trust you. I don't know when you're going to do it, but I believe somehow 
you'll make a way. I know you will, Lord. I know my family is going to be all right because I trust you. I trust that everything is going to be all right. And here's the third and the final one. There is an incredible, listen to this, life-changing blessing. And I want to look you in the eye when I say this. There is an incredible, life-changing blessing in store for everyone who wait on the Lord. You can't do it by yourself. Here's what the prophet Isaiah writes in Isaiah 40 and 31. The King James Version says this, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run (laughs) and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. If we're going to wait on God, then God says, I'll bless you. (laughs) But it will only come when you wait on the Lord. There is a scripture in Job chapter 14 and verse 14. The King James Version of Job 14 and 14. Job, in the midst of everything he was going through, his body deteriorating, he had lost all his possessions. Job was now broke, sick, and by himself because his, his friends had sit with him but yet they abandoned him his wife says why don't you curse God and die do you have any integrity left thank you Lord but in the midst of all of that Job writes these words even if I die if a man dies shall he live again But listen how he ends this verse. All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change comes. A change is coming. (laughs) It's coming. God says, I'll change you. And you will change the world. But here's what we need to ask God to do. We need to pray to God and says, Lord, change me. Lord, I need you to do it because if I'm going to be the example for my family, change me. If I'm going to be the example for this community, change me, oh God. And the only way I could change is I need the Spirit of God living inside of me another job another degree that will not change you so that you can be the change the world needs but God has to wash you through and through Ah, the song that Tamla Mann sings goes on to say just create 
in me a clean heart so that I may worship you. Change me, Lord. <laughs> Change me, Lord. Listen, wherever you are right now, I need you to pause. And if you're able to rest to your feet, to stand wherever you are, I need you in this worship experience, in this altar experience. Ooh. Just lift those hands and say, Lord, I don't mind waiting, but I'm waiting on the change. I, I, I'm not waiting on you to change the world. I'm waiting on you to change me. My prayer, ooh, yesterday looking at what was happening all across the country was not Lord change the country but every young man I saw that was doing something violent I said change him Lord <laughs> every person I saw that would use obscene language to express their frustration I said, Lord, change them. Because when you change them, whew, they will change the world. Nelson Mandela changed the world. Whew, because after 27 years of sitting in a prison cell, he would tell you that something happened in him. Right now, as you worship with us, Francis, the worship team shall come. Tell us, listen. Ooh, I... Lift those hands right now. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. He's about to do it. Ooh. Change me, oh God. Make me more like you. Make me more Ooh, I... like you. You need the Holy Spirit in your life. Change. Change me, oh God. Tell your grandson he needs the Holy Spirit. Wash me through. Tell your granddaughters uh, they need the Holy Spirit. Tell your sons and daughters they need the Holy Spirit. Create, Create in me. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Lift those hands, everybody. Listen. Change me, oh God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make me more like you. God says, I want to change you right now. Lift those hands. Change me, oh God. Wash me through. Change me, change Ooh. me, oh God. All 
of you that want transformation, lift that hand. Do it right now, Lord. Change me. I need you to pick up the phone and call 888-776-1238. Come on, call right now.
listen. God says, I will change you. I used to pray that God would change my enemies. And God said that was the wrong prayer. Because see, what I discovered, Bill, was that even if God changed my enemies and didn't change me, there would still be confrontation. Just on yesterday, <laughs> this is a true story. My youngest son, Antoine, called me a little upset dad. Whew. This is guy on social media at the state house trashing your name. Whew. He was my college classmate. Whew. He said, he's trashing your name, dad. He said, man, I'm so upset that he trashing your name. What do you say? I said, son, it doesn't matter. Because see, years ago when we were in college, I would have confronted him. But what he doesn't realize now is that I'm a changed person. <laughs> that things I used to worry about, I don't worry anymore. Why? Because a wonderful change has come over me. God changed me. Come on, T. I'm so good. Come on. Anybody know that God can change you? Uh, uh, a wonderful Listen, here's what I told Antoine. He says, how are you going to respond? I said, I'm going to pray that God changed him like God has changed me. Because I have no animosity against him. In fact, I would help him today if he needed to. Because I'm not the same person that went to Benedict College with him. We don't have the same rivalries. Something happened in my life. I, I, something happened when the Holy Spirit came and changed my life. And if God can do it for me, God can do it for you. I'm a better person because God has changed me. Pick up the phone right now. Call this number. Ooh, somebody is there to pray with you you don't have to be the person you used to be the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to change us and we change the world Ooh. and my goal has been Lord I hope the change that has happened in my life has made a difference in somebody else's life that somehow they are better off in their little corner of the world simply because I allowed the Holy Spirit to change me. It changed my marriage. It changed me as a father. It changed me as a son. It changed me as a brother. It changed me as a worshiper. See, I had been coming to church all my life, but when I was really filled with the Holy Spirit, then I worshiped God in spirit and truth. It, it changed everything about me. And God says, I'll do it for you. God says, I'm waiting on you to accept the change in your life. Close your eyes, if you will. God is doing it. Pick up the phone and call this number. A wonderful has come over. Has come over. Ooh. 
Somebody help me say a wonderful. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your stimulus package. <laughs> thank you for reminding us that when we wait on the change, something good can happen in our lives. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that changes our lives. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us whew, we don't have to resort into violence. We don't have to resort into retaliation. We can let you fight our battles. <laughs> I know you will because you've done it before. And we say thank you. Somebody right now, wherever they are, in another city, in another state, perhaps they are crying tears of transformation and you're doing it right now. When this is over, when the shelter in place has been lifted, uh, when we go out, we can go out like Peter did on the day of Pentecost. <laughs> and we can proclaim something that we could not have proclaimed before. And we say thank you. This is our prayer. In your name we pray and give thanks. And everybody, wherever you are, come on and worship our wonderful, our wonderful, wonderful change. Wonderful. Take it up higher, yeah. Has. Come on, oh, Pastor Mag. Right where you are, just lift your hands and say, change. I'm so glad he changed me, Lord. Yeah, yeah, he changed. Amen. What an awesome word from God. When you wait on the Lord, amen. When you wait on the Lord, he'll change you. Thank God so much for our pastor. Right before we take a very special Pentecost offering, we want to remind all of you that are listening to us in our virtual audience that starting on this week, maybe perhaps tomorrow, you'll be receiving a phone call or an email about a survey that we're doing here at the Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. We want to gather some information from you as we further enhance our virtual services as we think about what timing we're going to return to full worship 
we want to hear what you have to say. So starting on this week, you'll be receiving a phone call or an email from a survey. We ask that you participate in that survey, amen, so that we can gather accurate, amen, facts. This is a scientific survey and so that you can gather accurate facts so that we can further enhance what we're doing here at Bible Way. Every Pentecost Sunday, we usually take a $50 consecration offering and many of you have given that offering already and we want to say thank you to those that have given. I talked with Sister Jan earlier and she shared with me, many of you have given online and perhaps you want to continue to give that consecration offering. If you don't have $50, we ask that you join us with $7, with $7 and we want you to give through our live website. You can give by going to the Bible Way Church website and as Sister Sierra shared with you earlier, there's so many different ways to give or either you can text the offering and you can give that through text message. But be a blessing, amen, to this ministry. And let me share with you that we bless so many others. We are a blessing to so many others. And sometimes we'll probably be sharing with you about how so many others have been blessed because of what we're doing here. And I'll just share briefly that three days a week, three to four days a week, we're always feeding someone that's less fortunate than we are. We're always helping someone with mortgage we're helping individuals with rent because god bless us we bless others and so because god bless you be a blessing so that we can continue to bless others thank you so much for what you're giving in this pentecost offering and after we pray over our pentecost offering our praise team is going to lead us into a joyful victory song amen paul said in first corinthians chapter 15 around about verse number 57 oh death where is thy sting oh grave where is thy victory the sting of death is sin the strength of sin is the law but here it is he says but thanks be unto god that giveth us the victory and on this pentecost sunday we want to tell you how we got the victory through our lord and savior jesus christ so after we bless our offering our praise team is coming with the victory song by Sister Lanisha Tendo, and they're going to take us out. With your offerings, let's just look to God. Father, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you because when we wait on you, God, you change our heart. But even in the waiting, God, you bless us, and we thank you for that. We thank you for those that are giving the sacrificial offering, God. We thank you. For many that have already given $50 towards their Pentecost, we ask that you continue to bless them. Perhaps some don't have 50, God, but whatever they have, the $7 consecration, we ask that you bless them also. We ask that you bless those that are given, bless those that desire to give and don't have. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At this time, our praise team is going to sing, I've Got the Victory by Rickett Dillard.
We'd like to thank everyone for tuning into our live service. If you desire prayer, please call 1-888-776-1238. We would like to hear from you. Over the next few weeks, we will be conducting a survey to see how people feel about returning to in-person worship. Be on the lookout for an email or a phone call so you can share your feedback with us. There are many safe, secure, and easy ways to give to Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. Online giving is available to members and guests through my connections at bwcar.org. You can choose to give through your bank, checking, debit, or savings account, or via our mobile giving app by texting BWCAR along with your giving amount to 73256. You can mail your check to P.O. Box 90309, Columbia, South Carolina, 29290. Please do not mail cash. Financial donations will be accepted at the church on Tuesdays from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. If you feel as if this service was a blessing to you, please be sure to share to your page. And don't forget, for additional announcements and for more information, you can log on to our website at bwcar.org. This is Pastor Daryl Jackson. Thank you so much for joining us here at the Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. We are honored that you worship with us virtually. Share us with a friend, with a neighbor, with a co-worker. Thank God for the opportunity to join you as we all worship. In the midst of this pandemic, God still gets the glory. Again, thank you for being a part of this worship experience. May God bless you and your family. Yeah.